I'm going in. This almost saddens me that I've taken the only optimistic Mets fan I've ever met and turned him into waving the white flag on the season in mid-August, but here we are. Daily Dingers returns today. My guy Steve Inman is back for his Tuesday slot, and as part of our deal from Parlay Friday, I think he's on board that the Mets season is, is officially over after the abysmal performance in Philly this weekend. So Steve, uh, how do we feel about all this? What's going on here? Steve, my friend, it, it sucks. It's, you know, another another August, another time to wave the white flag for the New York Mets. You know, it was a very great first half. You obviously saw some holes in this team. We talked about adding pitching. We talked about adding a bat. We talked about maybe fixing up the bullpen a little bit. They really didn't do any of those things. I didn't really blame them for not doing any of those things because the price tags were so high, right? But at the end of the day, they didn't fix this sinking ship, and now the, the ship is underwater. Yes, it's very much so underwater. They have fallen to third place in the division. The Braves are surging. The Phillies are surging. I still don't like think the Phillies are that good, but like the division, either. but the division's not that good. So it's it's like a double edged sword here. The Met, I mean, so I don't know, man. Like, what what do you think? What do you think? Do you think there's there's any salvaging anything this season, or do you think like? Long-term future here. Cohen's just going to clean house. We're going to change. We're going to change the trajectory of this organization this offseason. Yeah, I mean, when you're there, what a game over five hundred right now. It's probably going to take eighty-eight wins to win this division. That's not a crazy pace. Like they could get there, but at the same time, it's like they don't hit. It's not. This isn't a one-month thing. This isn't a two-month thing. This has been a four-month situation where they haven't hit their 29th in runs per game only the pirates who only god knows what the pirates are doing over there are worse than the mets in offense right now so i think this is more about the future and i think the clear message is they got to get contact guys they have too many swing and miss guys they have too many streaky guys and not i'm not saying clean house but i'm saying they got to make an emphasis on Guys who put the ball in play, guys who can hit closer to 300 than 260 with 35 home runs. You have your big bopper in Pete Alonso, who's going to be your swing and miss guy. You have your streaky guy in Jeff McNeil. Everybody else, to me, needs a revamp. And it starts to me with Javi Baez, and I was not a fan of that move. I don't think he's really that good. I always feel like I'm in the twilight zone when talking to baseball fans about Javi Baez because people love him. And I just don't get it. He's a flashy guy, but Steve, like this has been a 220 hitter for a long time now, and I don't see that changing. I can't watch him take at that because he swings at everything. Like he swings at everything. If you threw it into the third, I said this yesterday. If you threw it into the third row, he'd swing at it. There's he doesn't take walks. He doesn't take pitches. Like he I never get, has. no, he's never been that player. So like people, like there was an article from SNY that was like, can, can Javi change? Can Javi develop plate discipline? What do you mean? Can he develop plate discipline? No, he's he's like, never he's had plate career. discipline. His entire career has been just swing out of my shoes at everything that I see. And that, and that's it. I don't even like you said at the beginning, I didn't hate the deal. I hate the deal now because Watching him play every day is the most frustrating thing. That It is so frustrating. He's 0-2 every at-bat because he swings at it. Can I tell you something crazy? I feel better about the deal today than I did when they did it, and I'll tell you why. 
because it's shown us that we need contact guys. And, you know, you have him hitting, what, a buck 90 right now? This is kind of what I expected. But at the same time, I feel like it's opened everybody's eyes to, hey, you can't give him $18 million a year. You have to let him walk. And if you have to give up Pete Crow Armstrong, who is a nice prospect, a not top 100 guy on anybody's list, that might be worth the lesson here of how you build your team going forward. It might have taught Steve Cohen something for whether it's Sandy or, or the next GM in the next couple of years. Right. And also, I get his defense is great and everything. Like, he does play great defense. He does. There's no denying that. Runs the base as well. But, I mean, you can't have this guy batting in the middle of the lineup the way he's the way he's programmed. It just doesn't – it doesn't work, especially in a lineup where Dom Smith can't hit right now. Um, Conforto – I was said I said at the beginning of the season everybody was talking about giving Conforto like two hundred million dollars and I said I would not pay the guy you could get ten of him anywhere and all of a and all of a sudden people like jumping down my throat like what do you mean he's a superstar Conforto's not a superstar there, he never has been he never will be you know when Conforto was good Conforto was good when he was using the whole field when he was hitting line drives and he wasn't trying to hit home runs I don't know what happened where all of a sudden they're like just pull everything. And hit home runs. When he first came up, he his power was to left center. That's where his power was. He was hitting line drives. He couldn't hit the up and in fastball. He never was able to hit the up and in fastball. But he was able to get hits and hit the ball the other way a little bit. And all of a sudden, he just stinks. He can't do it. He cannot physically do it. He's batting like 160 since he came off the IL. Yeah, sure. He had a home immediate he had a Lucas dude. We talked about this the other day. He hit a Lucas dude a home run in a pinch hit at bat down five, nothing the other day. That doesn't do anything for anybody ever. So I like, I'm out on that guy. I've been out on that guy. I don't understand why we thought this guy was going to be this savior, 200 million a year. I type mean, of guy. I, mean nobody thought, I don't know anybody who's at 200. Oh no. You, listen, Mets, listen Mets Twitter, Mets Twitter at the beginning of the season, when they, when, before they signed Lindor, they were like, sign Lindor. And then sign Conforto, give him 200 for like eight. I was like, what are you talking That's way too much. Why would you give him that kind of money? I I had this thing where I put a comp up against him versus Justin Upton, who's also a very streaky guy, uh, right-handed bat other than a left-handed bat. I think Conforto's probably a little bit better with the glove. And I said, he can probably get an Upton deal, which is five years, $100 million at the time in the spring. And basically people laughed at that. No, he wouldn't take that, blah, blah, blah. And – now you can make the case that he's going to get one year, $10 million incentive, prove it deal. And even a month ago, I was talking about giving the qualifying offer, see what happens next year. I wouldn't even do that anymore because he's he's got so much talent, right? And we've seen him hit 320. We've seen him drive in 100. We've seen him do 30 home runs. He, he's never done those in the same year. It's always right. been power or contact or now it's nothing. And he reminds me a lot of Zach Wheeler in that, there's so much talent there, and if he leaves, it would not shock me to see him put it all together. But you can't really pay him based on that hope. You gotta just, you gotta find guys who can consistently play. So if you want to bring him back on a one-year, ten million dollar prove it deal, I'm not against it if they found other pieces. But that's not my plan A. That's not my plan B. He's way down the priority list right now. Agreed. Agreed. Like whole. The whole roster, to me, the whole roster needs to be revamped. 
you got your Alonzo, you got DeGrom, hopefully. Hopefully. Hopefully you have DeGrom. Carrasco's still going to be around. I don't mind Diaz. People like blaming Diaz. Diaz has been good this year. You blame Diaz. You you blame Diaz. But Diaz has been pretty good this year. I don't – I mean, if you you go get another – the thing is, you got to go get somebody better. If you're going to not keep him, you have to go get somebody better, right? I don't know how many guys – you're gonna find that are better, and like, like is you're gonna go get Kimbrel, but he's gonna be a year old, another year older next year, like things like that. So I don't, I'm I don't think Edwin Diaz can't be in this bullpen. I'm saying what? if you're gonna be a championship team, I do not trust him to get big outs. He is Armando Benitez to me. He always has been. He's got a, he's got an ERA over four right now. This is you can make the case this is his best year as a Met. That's and fair. Nothing says more about it than. Bryce Harper hitting a 600-foot moonshot off him over the weekend and him just pointing up at the sky. like that thing He has like, no awareness. That's the second time he's done that this year where there's been a ball that's been hit 800 feet and he's pointed up like it's a pop-up. Like, you like is there any awareness? That has to do that? Like some men in the bull – like Familia's done it before. You had Hansel Robles who basically trademarked the thing. Now he's gone and then Diaz does it. And look, the bullpen's been good. This has actually probably been one of the better bullpens we've seen in our lives where that's usually the Achilles heel of this team. It's just the starting pitching to me is a concern going forward because Tywon Walker has not shown he can handle a full starter's workload. You know, he was gassed by 70 innings this year. How are you going to get him up to 180 next year? That's going to be a question. DeGrom is coming off a season where he's had six or seven different injuries that have slowed him down. Syndergaard – I don't think he's pitching this year. He's a free agent. He has not pitched in two years. What the heck do you do with him? Stroman has pitched well. He's a free agent. Do you use a lot of your money to bring him back? It's it's a big problem right now. I have a hot take on Syndergaard. This is my hot take. What do you got? One year, prove it deal, make him the closer. But, like, why would he take that? Like, if again, like, if, if no because one Because he's not – because because he hasn't proven – that he could stay healthy for a full season. I would take him. I would take him and put him in the bullpen, and I would say, "You're my closer." You know why you're my closer? Because you haven't proven that you could pitch a hundred, a hundred twenty innings in a year. You haven't proven that. So and guess what? We're gonna take you. You're gonna throw as hard as you can for one inning, and you're gonna close games for us because Edwin Diaz is. And then, and then if he's good in this situation, Diaz is now your eighth inning guy. And now your seventh inning guy, whatever Lugo, Familia. Now your bullpen actually looks pretty good if he if he pans out. There's a lot of guys that have been start like questionable starters that they put in the bullpen, and all of a sudden they're they're really good. I think that's the I think that's the option for him for the rest of his career because he hasn't proven that he's going to throw 120, 100. Even he hasn't even proven he's going to throw 100 innings and stay healthy. He hasn't. So why not take a piece like that? Look, most let's be serious. Most relievers are failed starters anyway. So let's take a failed starter, make him the closer, and let's just see what he could do in the bullpen. That's how I feel about that guy. And also, him coming out of the bullpen is like that's scary to me. You got a six. six he's a yeah. tree. I interviewed him. I interviewed him like four years ago. The guy is a tree. He's enormous. That guy coming out of the bullpen throwing bullets for an inning. I just, I feel like is that is a good piece. To have. That's how I feel about that. Does that make sense for the Mets? Absolutely. But you're going to be Syndergaard, you're going to be a free agent, you're going to have 15 teams talking to you, and your agent's going to say, hey, if you bounce back as a starter, you're looking at $100 million in a year. If you bounce back as a reliever, you're looking at $30 million, $35 million. 
So it's a no-brainer. He's not take he's not going to become a reliever unless for some reason no one's interested in this hundred, you know, mile an hour flame throwing six six guy who is going to take a cheap deal somewhere. I can see him just going to Tampa on a one-year $10 million deal with like a, a player option, right? And them just fixing him and him being dynamic and then him going to some big market team on a $100 million deal a year from now. I think he's thrown his last pitches a Met. It sucks. I like your bullpen idea, but I think he's just going to have too many options in a free agency class that isn't that special, especially starting pitching-wise. I just don't know if he's going to have as many options as you think. Like, he hasn't pitched. He hasn't pitched. Well, I'm talking about him getting a one-year $10 million incentive deal, and I think he probably, if all things were equal, would probably like to get away from the Mets. I don't know. I, I mean, I guess, but we'll see. I don't know. I think, like, I think his future, regard. I think regardless, his future is in the bullpen. I That's, that's how I feel about the guy. Because he can't stay, he can't, he just can't stay healthy. I don't know how he can't stay healthy. I follow him on social media. He like biohacks his body. He does all the, he, the he does all the right things and just somehow cannot stay healthy. He's a mess. That's He's the answer. That's true. I also I'd like I would like to see this team. Like I, I kind of cut myself off towards the end. I would just like a revamp. Just keep Alonzo if you want to. You got to keep Lindor. Obviously, you got Alonzo. You got Lindor. Right. I would keep Nemo because he's – I look, the thing about Nemo is that he's not – you know, he's not going to wow you with anything. He's also not a center fielder, but he gets on base. I like him. I like him as a piece. He's a he's actually a contact guy even though he hasn't really hit much lately. You had a team full of Brandon Nimmo's, I think you'd be fine. Right. So I think you keep those three and then you build around those three and you just got to figure it out. You got to get – you have to – I don't understand this. You gotta build a like build a lineup that does different things. Like build a lineup that can string hits together when the home runs aren't coming, and build a lineup that you have some protection all around. And I don't want to see. I know it's because Lindor's out, but Pete Alonso in the two hole just grinds my gears because he's not get, nobody gets on base, so he hits with nobody on base all the time. I we talked about. That. I, I you know he's I, having a horrific August, regardless. So I horrific. Would, I would move him around the order just to get him going anyway. Whether it's you know you can agree or disagree about where he should spot, but moving him right now makes sense. Yeah, get out of get him out of the two hole, please, just for the love of God. And I also do believe in Jeff McNeil. I mean, I believe this is his worst season. He's coming off a, a weird injury that really disrupted his season, and he's, he's definitely hurt. Hot. He's, he's definitely hurt. hurt. I think he's a better defender than people give credit for at second. And I would make him my everyday second baseman for the next few years. I, I want, again, if you have te- a team of McNeil's and Nimmo's, you're going to be okay. Agree. Agreed. I They need a center fielder. They need a third baseman. They, they probably need a catcher to platoon because they, we signed the can and that, that's been a disaster. Would you consider going after Correa to play third? If he's going to play third. If he wants to play, I think third. if the money was right, he he'd play third. They, I mean, if he wants to play the Correa is a guy. You just saw Javi Baez say, "I'm willing to move off shortstop for my guy Lindor." Correa was a third baseman on that WBC team. Listen, that might be a thing they might be willing to do as well. Listen, I love the idea of Correa. Like Correa is a guy, like you know, two eighty. He hits a little for a little bit of power, drives in some runs, plays great defense. 
I pay him to come play third base. I re- I would. I would. Um, is he going to want to do that though? Like I, some of these guys, some of these guys' egos. You don't like. We don't under we don't understand this to to uh, some degree. These guys got big egos. So like, he might want to just be like whatever, top five paid shortstop. Like you get more money as a shortstop than a third baseman in, in a lot of cases. So I, I don't. Well, they'd be paying him as a shortstop. Yeah, to play third. But yeah. I mean, it, it it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because again, like we think of this free agency class as this great class, and he might be the best player on the on the board, and he's a very good player, borderline great player, but like he's not a franchise changer. So you got to be careful here that we have so many changes they need to make, but at the same time, there aren't a ton of options on the free agent market. But I think he changes the Mets. We'll see. We'll see. I think he could change the Mets. You got him. Lindor, th- that's a good. That's a good pickup, Steve. I don't know, man. Let's let's see. Let's see what happens. We'll let's talk. Get, we'll we'll talk about. It. All right. Let's get into today. That was a big Mets yes. rant. Um, long, long one. All right. But last night, one and two with a rain out. Um, getting back today. I I actually really like what's going on today. I like the board. I like what we have cooking here. So what are you going? What's your best bet? I'm going with the A's money line at minus 145. Sean Manaya versus Tristan McKenzie. McKenzie has been just bad this year. We talked about it a few times. I think he's just too small to hold up as a starter. He's a reliever to me. He's got a 589 ERA this season. He's allowed 15 home runs in 70 innings. And Manaya's having his best full season as the ace of the A's. You know, he's finally healthy. He looks great. He's got an ERA around three. I love him. I, I think the, the A's are uh, – a legit playoff team as they are most years. I'm not going to talk about them beyond that, but at the same time, I like them today. All right, I do. I do like that. I I looked. I did look at that. I, I looked at the uh, the matchup, and I was like, "Ooh, like the A's are going to pound them today." So I I'm in agreement with you with you there. Um, as far as my best bet goes here, doing an over. I'm going Rockies Astros over eight and a half. That's at minus one twenty. My initial thought when I looked at this is that eight and a half seems low, mainly because you got Jake Odorizzi going for Houston. Over his last four starts, he's been terrible. And he's coming off giving up six earned in three innings against the Dodgers last week. So then you got John Gray on the other side, who's just a completely different pitcher away from Coors. He's got a 4-2-1 ERA with a 1-4-5 whip on the road. And that's just not a good, like a whip like that is not a good recipe when you're going into Houston because Houston can rake. It's so, so weird. He's one of those guys that's just better in Coors Field. Like I've right. never seen anything like it before. It's odd. It's odd to me. So with this, I think you get two mediocre pitchers on the bump, which means I think the Rockies score a little bit, and they score just enough where Gray probably gets lit. Let's say Gray gives up five runs. I mean, their bullpen's terrible. So once you get to that bullpen, it's it's pretty bad. I like the eight and a half. I'll take over eight and a half on this. I'll take the minus one twenty. Um, I'm riding this one today. This is like my favorite pick today. Yeah, and we talked about it before the show where the Rockies on the road this year are kind of like the Mets anywhere. Right. And, but all you need them to do is score, you know, three runs, and the the Astros win eight three. So I like it a lot. Yeah, I I don't I don't see just and also I mean Odorizzi's been he has not been good. I mean Texas lit him up a couple weeks like like three starts ago Texas lit him up. I think he gave up. I think he gave up like five runs in four innings or something like that. I got to look again. But he has not been good since the All-Star break. So I'm going to just ride this one out here. Um, now, as far as underdogs go, who do you like today? 
Steve, my friend, I'm taking a page out of your book. I'm going with the Arizona Diamondbacks first five. You convinced me here to go from the whole game to the first five. I like that better. You can get it at plus 170. It's my guy, Zach Gallen. He's finally stretched out. I think we're going to see the Gallen of old. He's been a little better each of his you know, last couple starts. And he's facing Alex Wood, who's getting up four earned runs in each of his last two starts after the really crazy start. He's kind of been Alex Wood of old as well. And uh, his last start was against the Diamondbacks. He gave four runs. So I like this. I like Gallon first five plus one seventy. There we go. I like you and Jack love Zach Gallon. Like it's un, it's unreal. And then guys, just look at his numbers. Like they're they're crazy. And like I don't think he's as good as like the, his like career ERA is like three. So it's like I don't see why you wouldn't pick him against Alex Wood in the first five when the when the odds are this good. And the first five, I like, we talked about this. I did this last week, first five against Alex Wood. Hit it. They were up 4 nothing. They were up 4 nothing into the ninth. They gave up four runs in the ninth, lost in extra innings. Their bullpen is... That would have been so brutal. I'm oh, so glad you convinced me to take first five. Yeah, like I just, that's just a bullpen you can't trust. First five is is a, is a the way to go with the D-backs. I've learned my lesson this year, but you got you to gotta go with that. I'm also doing a first five for my underdog. Philly five nine, plus 130. So, like I said, there's a couple good dogs today. Um, for this one, though, the Dodgers lineup doesn't really have great numbers against Nola. Sample size is, is pretty small. As the sample size gets bigger, we've said it kind of favors the hitters, but they're not at that point yet. Um, and then on the other side, the Phillies are very familiar with Scherzer, obviously, because of he was a net. Um, some numbers against him. Segura, 261, Bryce, 300, Brad Miller, 357, Odubel Herrera, 308, and Real Muto only has five hits off Scherzer for his career, but of those five hits, he's got two home runs and a double, so he does do damage when he does hit him, and he's been he's been really good of late, Real Muto. So I still don't trust the Phillies' bullpen, um, but give me the plus 130 for the first five money line for the Phillies at home. I like this one, and also... Little note, in the time that I took from when I looked at this to the time that I decided to place the bet, it moved from plus 135 to plus 130. So it's moving Phillies. Let's go. Phillies first five. I don't think it's crazy. Uh, I like. I don't like this one as much as the other ones you've suggested so far, but sure, I don't like betting against Max Scherzer. Aaron Nola has been pretty up and down, and the Phillies win streak probably is going to hurt the, the, the odds you can get on it, but at the same time, you, they are hot. You never know. And, you know, I just, I feel like they've been good because they've been playing bad teams and now they're placing one of the best teams. So we'll, well see. How but, but there is a stat um, the other day about the Dodgers. So the Dodgers are only like three, I think they're like three or four games over 500 against everybody except the Rockies and Diamondbacks. Well, that's a good stat. And against the Rockies and Diamondbacks, they're like 21 and like four or something like that. So what the Mets were supposed to do against the Marlins this year. Right. Instead, we go lose three at four. That's what, that's what we do. That's oh, what we the do. pain. So I, I get the Dodgers. The Dodgers are a, a – they're still a good team, but I think those numbers kind of swayed me a little bit to be like, all right, this team – is good, but they do definitely have some some holes. And I know after the trade deadline, everyone's like, oh, Trey Turner, Scherzer, this, that, the other thing. Lineup's good and everything. But let's not sugarcoat this. 
Mookie Betts has still been having a down year. Cody Bellinger has been having a down year. They haven't been like this world-beating team that everybody thinks that's they, fair. they are. So I only need five innings, and that's that's what I'm going. Also, Scherzer's given up some home runs this year. Yeah, he has. He's he's given up some some long balls. Um, strikes a lot of guys out, but he still has given up some home runs. So that's what I'm thinking with with this. Do, look, can the Dodgers come out and score eight runs in the first two innings off Nola because Nola's a fraud? Sure. But let's see what happens, you know? Yeah, I, I definitely don't think that's crazy. You're kind of convincing me. There you go. See, I'm a salesman. That's what I do here. So that brings us to our daily dinger. Who do you got going yard today, Steve? I'm going with George Springer at plus 240 to homer against Ooh. Angels pitcher Chris Rodriguez. Rodriguez is making his second big league start, in case you'd never heard of him before. And Springer is oh. a guy who has been really unbelievable. I mean, he's got 14 home runs and just 161 at-bats this year, one of the best home runs per at-bat ratios in, in baseball. And if you look at what he's done, not just this year, but like the last three years, he's got an OPS of 961, 285 batting average, 67 home runs in only 216 games. If he had been healthy these last couple of years, he'd, he'd probably have an MVP under his belt. That's how good he's been. So I'm getting him, I feel like, at a pretty good price because he's been so underrated because he's always hurt. I, it just gets me so upset because the Mets didn't want to give him, what, a sixth year? They didn't want to give him a sixth year. I mean, at the same time, he missed half the season, right? He missed half the season. If he's a Met, does that make it the whole season? You know, but like, so know. think about this, though. Think about this, though. Like, he missed half the season, and the Mets were, like, really good in that half season. Could you imagine injecting him into this lineup? Like it would have worked. Yeah, like that would have oh, been to go get. Yeah, I mean, like in, that would have been like better than a trade. That would have been way better than a Javi Baez trade acquisition. Uh, well, yes, I mean, doing nothing would have been better than the oh, Javi Baez trade acquisition. But you know, George Springer's got fourteen bombs. I know we keep going back to the Mets. That would be second on the Mets behind Alonso. Right, and he's, he's played half the games. He played in less than half the games. It's been unbelievable how good Springer's been, and he's been the perfect fit for this young Blue Jays team. He's had one veteran bat they desperately needed. And, you know, the, yes, they paid a lot to get him that sixth year, but I think it's going to work out if they can get a couple of long playoff runs under their belt in the next few years. Yeah, he's still – Springer's unbelievable. Springer's I, – I played against him. I played against him in college. He's the best player I've ever played. That's awesome. He hit a ball. Dude, I, so this, the most impressive thing I've ever seen, it wasn't even a homer. I've seen him hit some bombs against us, but – he hit a ball against us um, that was about 10 feet off the ground. I thought it was going to go through the left field fence. It was the most impressive thing I've ever seen. He just hit a 335-foot a missile. Like, if, if the fence wasn't there, it probably would have went 500 feet. But, like, the dude was insane at the college level. Like, absolutely. Most underrated player in baseball, in my opinion. He's at least for hitters. He, He's definitely underrated. It's because he gets hurt a lot, but like, still, I mean, it's unbelievable. All right, enough about that. Let's go to um, my daily dinger. I'm doing Kyle Seeger. He's plus two twenty on points bet. This is a name we we haven't heard on the daily dinger list uh, much this year, if at all. But between his odds to homer and his numbers against Kobe Allard, this is a no brainer to me. He's four for eleven with two home runs against them. Points bet only has him at plus two twenty to go yard. Um, so with those odds and those numbers, I'm going Kyle Seager because actually all he does is hit home runs or strike out. So I, I like this. 
it's really interesting to see a lot of failed prospects just seem to end up in Texas. You know, you saw Spencer Howard just get moved over there. Kobe Allard was a guy who was supposed to be near the top of that Braves pitching staff, right? With Ian Anderson and Soroka. And it's, it's just crazy how things kind of work out the way they do, where now he's kind of toiling away in Texas. You know, Mike Fulton eventually was one of those guys who was doing the same thing over there. And it seems like it's where young pitchers go out to pasture. That's it. That's where, that's where, that's where top prospects go to die. Yes. They go to Texas. So it's lovely. It really is. A hundred degrees. Oh my God. That's oh terrible. man. It's brutal actually. 20 games under 500. Oh. <laughs> nobody, nobody, nobody even knows your names. No, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Oh, it's great. All right. So now let's go. Nerfy. I know where you're going with this because this is great, but let's go. Nerfy. Yeah. I've hit six of these in a row and why, you know, change it up right now. Let's go with the Nationals and the New York Mets. It's, it's Paulo Espino versus Carlos Carrasco. You can get it in minus 110. It's just you take bad offenses. It's as simple as that. You know, you got two guys who are at least going to get through the first inning. So you take two bad offenses against that. You know, also Juan Soto may not play. He's got a, a knee issue. He didn't play in the last game. So I like this one. And as long as the Mets continue to be the Mets, I expect them to pitch well early and not score ever. So yeah, that, that's simple as that. I love it. I, I love that because I'm going. So I got a bonus bet. Okay. I don't really do bonus bets. But you got to bet. Sometimes you just got to bet like what you know. Like I cleaned up this weekend betting against. I took the Phillies money line every single day. I doubled down. I tripled down. I cleaned up. I just knew what was going to. I knew what was going to happen. It was. It was the feel of this weekend was Mets Nats in 2015 when the Nats came into that weekend series with the division lead and the Mets swept them. It had the feel. Ball still never landed. Yes, it had the feel. It had the feel of that. Just the Mets were going to play the role of the Nats. Um, and now I got this bonus for today. I'm going to go Mets first five innings team total under two and a half. That's at minus one ten. Until they prove that they could get more than like two hits in seven innings, that this is this is one of the safest bets that that you can make. I mean, I'm expecting Paulo Espino to go six innings, three hits. Maybe a run if they get lucky. But other than that, that's it there. Bonus bet, Mets team total, first five, under two and a half. There you go. I mean, this it's painful. But at the same time, the pain gets dulled a little bit when you're winning and making money. So yeah, There's no reason not to to bet against them right now. They are, they are a profitable fade. They're either going to start hitting or you're going to keep making money. So I'm not, I'm not planning on them to start hitting. So yeah. I guess we'll see. Listen, if they lose two out of three to the Nats this week, oh my God, this is gonna be this is gonna be tough. They could definitely they definitely will. So I'm yeah. I'm 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 good at that. They're in All right. All right. Anything else before we get out of here? This has been a long one today. Yes, it has. Uh it's nice to talk a little Mets with you as always. I unfortunately I wish it was in better times, but there'll be plenty of better times ahead with Steve Cohen. Agreed, agreed. All right, everyone, don't forget to go to thegameday.com and check out everything that our affiliates have to offer. Don't forget to subscribe to Daily Dingers on Apple, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Those are your best bets for Tuesday, August 10th. For Steve Inman, I'm Steve Armato. We will see you tomorrow.